Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. Hi, everyone. Dan Amender here. On behalf of all of us at Cardiners, we are thrilled to bring you our Decipher the Guidelines series for the 2022 AHA ACC HFSA Guideline for the Management of Heart Failure. Get ready for short and bite-sized, high-impact, clinical vignette-based questions designed to highlight core concepts based on cutting-edge evidence that are relevant to your practice. The cases we use are hypothetical and for educational purposes only. This series was developed by Cardiners and created in collaboration with the American Heart Association and the Heart Failure Society of America. It was created by 30 trainees spanning college students through advanced fellowship with mentorship from Dr. Anu Lala, Dr. Robert Mentz, and Dr. Nancy Schweitzer. We thank Dr. Judy Bizanson and Dr. Elliot Antman for their guidance. So join us as we get to learn about the guidelines and beyond from 16 leading faculty experts. With that said, it's time to get nerdy. <laughs> The following question refers to Section 7.31 of the 2022-AHA-ACC-HFSA Guideline for the Management of Heart Failure. The question is asked by Palisades Medical Center Medicine Resident and CardiNerds Intern Dr. Miriam Buckler-Dorian, answered first by MedStar Washington Hospital Center Cardiology Hospitalist and CardiNerds Academy graduate Dr. Louis Calderon, and then by expert faculty Dr. Robert Mentz. Dr. Mentz is Associate Professor of Medicine and Section Chief for the Heart Failure at Duke University, a clinical researcher at Duke Clinical Research Institute, and Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Cardiac Failure. Dr. Mentz is a mentor for the CardioNerds Clinical Trials Network as Lead Principal Investigator for the Paraglide HF and is a series mentor for this very 2022 Heart Failure Decipher the Guideline series. For these reasons and many more, he was awarded the Master CardioNerd Award during ACC 2022. Welcome, Dr. Mentz. Thank you so much, Dan. It's such a joy to be here with this group. I'm looking forward to the discussion tonight about guidelines and how they relate to take care of our patients. Of course, Dr. Mintz. Miriam, take it away. Thank you, Dan. Ms. Valerie Sarton is a 55-year-old woman with a history of heart failure reduced ejection fraction with EF of 35% and well-controlled non-insulin-dependent diabetes mellitus who presents to heart failure clinic for routine follow-up. She is currently being treated with metoprolol succinate 200 mg daily, lisinopril 10 mg daily, empagliflozin 10 mg daily, and spironolactone 50 mg daily. She notes stable dyspnea with moderate exertion, making it difficult to do her yard work. On exam, she is well appearing, and blood pressure is 115 over 70 mm of mercury with normal jugular venous pulsations and traced bilateral lower extremity edema. On labs, her potassium is 4 mmol per liter and creatinine is 0.7 mg per deciliter with an EGFR more than 60 ml per minute per 1.73 square meters. Which of the following options would be the most appropriate next step in heart failure therapy? A. Increase lisinopril to 40 mg daily. B. Increase spironolactone to 100 mg daily. C. Add sacubitril balsartan to regimen. D. Discontinue lisinopril and start sacubitril balsartan in 36 hours. E. No change. Luis, what do you think about this question? Oh, thank you, Miriam. That's a good question. So in this case, the correct answer would be D, or transitioning from an ACE inhibitor to an RNA. This would be the most appropriate next step in management. So to review a little bit, the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, or RAS system, 
is upregulated in patients with chronic heart failure with induced digestion fractions. Blockade of this RAS system with either ACE inhibitors, angiotensin receptor blockers, or ARB, or angiotensin receptor necrolysin inhibitors, ARNI, have proven mortality benefits in these patients. When looking at the Paradigm HF trial, this compared Secubitrovalsartan, the ARNI, with enalapril in symptomatic patients with HFREF. Patients receiving the ARNI incurred a 20% relative risk reduction in the composite primary endpoint of cardiovascular death or heart failure hospitalization. Based on these results, 2022 heart failure guidelines recommend replacing an ACE inhibitors or ARB for an ARNI in patients with chronic symptomatic HFREF with NYHA class 2 or 3 symptoms to further reduce morbidity and mortality. This is also a class 1 recommendation with evidence level B and is also of high economic value. Now, when you consider not making any changes at this time, reflecting on what we just spoke about, this would not really be an appropriate decision or option E in terms of the choices. While it would be reasonable to increase the dose of lisinopril to 40 milligrams or option A, this would be pursued only if RNA therapy is not well tolerated. Looking at the other answer choices, mineral corticoid receptor antagonists or MRAs have a class one recommendation in patients with HFREF and NYHA class 2 to 4 to reduce morbidity or mortality. Now, this is provided that the EGFR is greater than 30 and a serum potassium is less than 5. You also want to carefully monitor potassium and renal function, as well as additional diuretic dosing. In this case, when starting an MRA, spironolactone or plurinone, you would start with 25 milligrams oral daily and increase to about 50 milligrams daily after about a month. Though higher doses may be appropriate with other indications, it's not really advocated when HFREF is the sole indication. So option B of starting a spironolactone or increasing to 100 milligrams daily would not be appropriate. So how do we start RNAs? When switching from an ACE-I to an RNA, note that the RNA should not be administered at the same time with an ACE-I or within about 36 hours the last dose of an ACE inhibitor. This is actually a class 3 for harm with a level evidence of B, RCT. This recommendation comes largely from studies of omapatrolol, which is a combination of an ACE inhibitor and a neprilysin inhibitor. Patients receiving this medication suffered significant increased risk for angioedema, mostly thought to be due to the dual suppression of both the ACE inhibitor as well as the neprilysin inhibitor, leading to high concentrations of bradykinin. The current guidelines therefore recommend a washout period of at least 36 hours between the last dose of ACE inhibitors and the first RNA dose. Now, if you have a patient that's being transitioned from an ARB, such as Valsartan, then the first dose of RNA could simply just be given in lieu of the next anticipated dose of the ARB. So a couple things you want to look out for when starting Secubitrol Valsartan, it's important to monitor for signs of hypotension. In this scenario, the patient's blood pressure of 115 over 70 in the clinic, this should be enough room in order to tolerate the new medication. Both the Paradigm HF RNA versus ACE inhibitor and stable chronic HFREF, and the Pioneer HF studies, this one looking at RNA versus ACE inhibitor in hospitalized patients with decompensated heart failure, excluded patients with systolic blood pressures less than 100 millimeters of mercury. With that said, every patient responds a little differently, and you may want to provide some anticipatory guidance to anyone who's starting you on these medications. So in this case, for Ms. Valerie Sarton, she should be counseled on symptoms that could reflect low blood pressure such as lightheadedness or the static syncope, and also ask her to reach out to a provider if she has any of these symptoms or has any other concerns. Lab follow-up should include renal function as well as potassium levels. Now, 
One thing that we can't forget is when starting an RNA, you really shouldn't initiate this therapy. And anyone who has a history of angioedema, it's a class three for harm, the level of evidence C. Well, Miss Sarton is unlikely to have a history of angioedema given that she's been tolerating her ACE inhibitor. This is an important thing to consider for any cardio nerd who's reaching for a RAS inhibitor. So I know that's a lot, but the main takeaway from all this is patients with symptomatic HEFREF who are tolerating an ACE inhibitor and ARB therapy should be considered to transition to an ARNI therapy to further reduce mortality and morbidity. Dr. Metz, I was wondering if you could actually offer any additional tips or tricks when considering starting an ARNI or just for chronic ongoing monitoring in the outpatient setting. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Luis. So I think each of the points you went through there were just so important. As I would summarize it, I think making sure we get all of our patients on ADSR RNA and preferentially using RNA, just as you outlined. So what we know by important large registries like CHAMP-HF is that about 25% of our patients with HEFREF are not receiving ASARBOR RNA. So really realizing the importance of getting on evidence-based therapies as we've talked across the, the guidelines of the podcast. And then specifically as we focus on RNA, some key tips here, just as you noted, so if a patient is on an ACE inhibitor, we need to have that washout period before starting RNA, so at least 36 hours. Practically speaking, what I'll do in my clinic is I'll have a patient stop ACE inhibitor and then start the RNA therapy two days later. Sometimes there can be some difficulty of them picking up the medication initially. I usually say, all right, we're going to send in your prescription for RNA. When, once you pick it up from the pharmacy, then you can hold your ACE inhibitor for two days. You're going to stop that completely and then start RNA. And that's a really important quote. We want to make sure that they're stopping their ACE inhibitor and not thinking that this is add-on therapy. In addition, there's three different doses of RNA. So if a patient is new to ACE-ARB RNA and you're just now starting RNA, if they've not previously been on this therapy, typically we would start with that lower dose, the 2426. If they're on already a higher dose of ACE inhibitor, then you're going to have that washout and you can start the 4951. I also talk to patients about the importance of realizing this is a twice a day medication. So if they were on lisinopril 10, as in this case, we want to make sure that they realize that they're going to be taking their RE twice a day. Some other key considerations, usually when I start this in clinic, I'll check labs on the day that I'm seeing them in clinic, start them on the therapy, and then repeat labs a week later mainly to look at renal function and potassium. And then you nicely went through the in-hospital initiation data with Pioneer. This is probably one of the most important points. What we know from Pioneer is that the primary endpoint was positive starting subutovalsartan in the hospital. We saw that early reduction in nitritic peptide levels, and then the exploratory endpoint looking at clinical outcomes better with RNA therapy. And what we know is that if we do not start these therapies in the hospital, patients are very unlikely to be on them, either 30, 60, 90 days, or even a year later. And we and other groups have shown that and deal with the guideline registry and others. So really emphasizing the key points of starting therapy with Arnie. Think about this in the hospital. We have randomized controlled data. We can feel comfortable doing that down to a systolic blood pressure of 100, as you noted. Then my final points would just be around, as you nicely alluded to, the importance of the blood pressure lowering we can see but when we initiate RNA therapy. And I talk to my patients that we may need to adjust their diuretics if they tend to be on the drier side, they may actually need less diuretic as we start RNA. So in summary, I think you really hit the high points, really that RNA is the foundational therapy. 
We should be transitioning our patients from ACE over to RNA unless there's a contraindication such as prior angioedema and make sure that they stop the ACE. We get them on the right dose of RNA, but it's twice a day. And then we follow things closely in terms of laboratory values. But really nice job taking us through that. Thanks, Luis. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Menz, for these amazing tips. Thank <laughs> you.